Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Hey, Joshua 24, if you have your Bibles, and welcome to those people who are watching online and at our Rossville campus. It's great to see you there as well. If you don't have a Bible today, be on the screen, Joshua chapter 24. I want to preach on this subject, the modern family decision. The modern family decision, Joshua chapter 24. I know it's Mother's Day, and I don't preach to mothers on Mother's Day, but I do like to take a respite from my normal sermon series and preach to the family. Now, it is Mother's Day, and I hope you aren't caught off guard for that. In case you are, uh, I thought I'd help you out just as you're finding your place in your Bible. thought I'd help you out by letting you know what the top Mother's Day's gifts for 2021 were this year. So, for example, number, number 10 were, was an experience of some sort. Now, just to be clear, that experience is not washing the dishes or cooking dinner, right? It's, it's an actual experience of some sort. Electronics, if you get her something at Best Buy uh, or Father's Day, that's always a great idea. Uh, personal service of some sort, housewares, garden tools, special outing. If, I'm trying to give you some ideas here, guys. Uh, uh, and then number five, jewelry, that's always a good idea. Gift cards, great, great idea for mom, as long as, it, again, it's for her. Uh, three, clothing or accessories, if you feel comfortable buying your uh, mom or wife clothing, I, I'm, it's not really my thing. And number two, greeting cards, Hope, hopefully you did that. Number one is what? Uh, so at the least, go buy Publix and uh, get her something on the way home, sneak in there and get flowers. Now, now, I know some of you guys are thinking, well, how much should I spend on a Mother's Day gift, right? And flowers are the most traditional thing. And as a matter of fact, we'll spend this year $2.56 billion on flowers for Mother's Day. But that's not what we spend the most money on. As a matter of fact, when you break it down, we spend the most money on uh, about, about $20 uh, for, you know, clothing and accessories. And then um, for, for flowers, again, about, about $20. If you go f- buy flowers, that's somewhere in the range you want to be, gentlemen. And then this one catches me off guard a little bit, gift cards, $22.04. Now, I just want to say, Mom, if you got a gift card for $22.04, they found it in a drawer somewhere. Like, they did not go buy a gift card. So this one concerns me a little bit. So don't, don't get something out of the drawer. Get a, get a brand new one. And then electronics, I don't know what you're going to get for $23 there. Or a special outing is about $31. Or jewelry, we spend a whopping total of 40 bucks on her for jewelry. So again, no, no diamond necklace at $40. Uh, that's just to help you get an idea as you were finding your place in the Bible. Truth is, we go all out for Mother's Day. We typically as, as a family, we try to make sure our mothers are taken care of. And what moms wish is that Mother's Day rolled around about once a month, not, not once a year, right? But if we had the spirit of Mother's Day in our homes may, every day, maybe things would not be in such bad shape as what they are. Because I want to be honest with you, the modern family is in an absolute mess. If you dive into where we are on the modern family. The modern family is not good. So here, just to prove it, the researchers estimate that about 41% of all marriages 
end in divorce, and that 60% of second marriages and 73% of third marriages. That means every 13 seconds, there is one divorce in America. And I find this humorous that somebody did this. There are nine divorces in the time it takes for a couple to recite their wedding vows. Nine divorces in the time it takes for a couple to recite their wedding vows. The average length of a marriage that ends in divorce lasts about eight years. And get this, I want, uh, I want millennials to hear this uh, because the Bible is very much against living together or having any kind of sexual relations before marriage. But about 60% of cohabiting couples will eventually marry. However, living together prior to marriage increases your chances of divorce by 40%. So we, we, we've heard for decades, people say, well, we want to get to know each other. Well, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Research doesn't say that it works. If your parents are happily married, your risk of divorce decreases by 14%. If your parents married others after divorcing, you're 91% more likely to get divorced. Now, listen, I'm not putting a bad omen on you. I'm just saying if that's the situation you came from, you need to be aware of that. And according to uh, Nicholas Wolfinger, understanding the divorce cycle, the risk of divorce is 50% higher when one spouse comes from a divorce home and 200% higher when both parents do. And then get this, I, I've never seen this stat before, but each liter of alcohol consumed raises the chance of divorce by 20%. Not alcohol in a day, in a year. That means the average American drinks 9.4 liters of alcohol per year, and that increases your likelihood of divorce by 188%. Hear me, nothing good comes from alcohol. A recent study of divorce petitions found that nearly 15, this is millennials, a percent of them cited video game addiction as a major factor in the decision to get divorced. Hear me, I love I love my PlayStation 4. I do. I love my PlayStation 4. But not nearly as much as I love my wife. Can I get amen right there, guys? A bunch of 20-year-olds need to hear that. A new study entitled Divorce and Death shows that broken marriages kill at the same rate as smoking cigarettes. Indication that the risk of dying is a full 23% higher among divorced people than, than married people. So I, I know what you're thinking. I, I don't know if I'm, you, know, you get it or not, but that paints a, a rough picture of the modern American family. We are absolutely in a mess. And this is just, you know, tabulating the, the marriages that fail, the families that fail. That doesn't tabulate the ones that stay together. We can't measure that really. The ones that stay together and are miserable and staying together. Well, does anything make a difference? Well, let's, let's see, because there are some things that say that make a difference. For example, Research conducted at Harvard School of Public Health reveals that regularly attending church services together reduced a couple's risk of divorce by a remarkable 47%. That when, when you come to church together as a family, your divorce risk is cut in half. Not only that, according to this research, scholars from the School of Family Life at BYU found that how often a couple attends church together has a strong impact on marital stability. Here's what they found. The more often they attend, the stronger their marriage is. The more often they attend, the stronger their marriage is. The researchers report when both spouses attend church regularly, the couple has the lowest 
risk of divorce. And then finally, I'm finished with statistics, but couples holding more conservative Christian beliefs had a markedly lower risk than those with no or more liberal theological beliefs. So here's what that tells us. Is the modern family in a mess? It absolutely is. But there is still research that says, hey, you know what? Even though the modern family is in a mess, there's research that says that when you center your life around God, when you, when you build your life in the church, it does make a difference. So as the kids like to say now, let's follow the science. And it's amazing the people that want to follow the science want to follow everywhere but in these areas. Your commitment to the kingdom of God impacts your marriage, impacts your family, and impacts your kids. So let's see it in the Bible. Let's stand together. uh, Joshua chapter 24. Look look with me, if you will, beginning in verse number 11. Joshua 24, uh, excuse me, verse number uh, 4. What do I have up here? Um, um, I want to read 11. I do want to start at 11. That's not what I had marked in my Bible, but hey, we'll just go with the screen. Verse number 11. There's there's something there I want to read. You then crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. Jericho's citizens, as well as the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hevites, Gergashites, Hevites, Jebusites, all the ites fought against you, and I handed them over to you. I sent hornets ahead of you, and I drove out the two Amorite kings before you. It was not by your sword or bow. Now listen to this. I gave you land you did not labor for and cities you did not build. Though you live in them, you're eating from a vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Verse 14. Therefore, the fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods that your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates rivers and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today which you'll worship. The gods of your fathers, gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. As for me... And my family, Joshua said, we will worship the Lord. The, the people replied, we, we will certainly not abandon the Lord to worship other gods. For the Lord our God brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, and out of the place of slavery, and performed these great signs before our eyes. He also protected us all the way we went among all the people whose lands we traveled through. The Lord drove out before us all the people, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will worship the Lord because he's our God. But Joshua told the people, you will not be able to worship the Lord because he is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He'll not forgive your transgressions and sins. If you abandon the Lord and worship foreign gods, he will turn against you, harm you, and completely destroy you after he's been good to you. No, the people answered Joshua, we will worship the Lord. Joshua then told them, your witnesses against yourselves that you yourselves have chosen to worship the Lord. We are witnesses, they said. Then get rid of the foreign gods that are among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. So the people said to Joshua, we will worship the Lord our God and obey him. Thank you. You may be seated. Just just real quickly to tell you where we are, Israel has been on a 
on a decades-long journey from slavery in Egypt to victory in the promised land. You know the story. It's been going on 40 years, four decades. They've left slavery in Egypt. Millions of them at this time have been traveling across the desert. And God has been guiding them through Moses. And then when Moses died, uh, then the mantle was handed over to Joshua, who had been mentoring under Moses, who had been coming up under Moses. And And as Joshua nears the end of his life, as Joshua is about, who's, who has marched them into the promised land, as Joshua is getting the end of his life, it's interesting that Joshua concludes with a word for our families. And it's a modern family decision, but we see the decision even back in Joshua's day. Can I give you three things that Joshua is trying to say to uh, me and trying to say to you as a family? Number one, I want you to know this. Joshua said this, that, that prosperity can be a problem prosperity not not difficulty prosperity Israel was standing square in the middle of the promised land and what Joshua does there beginning verse number 11 Joshua recounts all the victories they had Joshua I I want you to remember Jericho y'all remember Jericho that they I I don't know if y'all remember not but we marched around Jericho all those times and and we finally we blew the trumpets on that last day and you remember what happened that the walls of Jericho just miraculously crumbled to the ground and we went in and captured Jericho and didn't lose a man It was a miracle from God. We couldn't have done that, but God did it. And then Joshua says, town after town fought them. But the Lord, he says in verse number 11, the Lord, I love this, hand them over to you. Like it wasn't your strength. It wasn't your sword. It wasn't your bow. As a matter of fact, when it was going to be hard, this is amazing. God sent hornets, hornets to drive people out in front of you. God did the work and God gave us great prosperity. God gave us great success. And he said, you're living in places that, that you don't even deserve to live. As a matter of fact, in, in your Bible, uh, in verse 13, look, look in verse 13 in your Bible. I gave you a land you did not labor for and cities you did not build. Though you live in them, you are eating from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Uh, uh, Joshua said, hey, listen, man, God has given us houses to live in and cities to live in and vineyards to, uh, pl- to reap and, and uh, crops to harvest. You didn't do any of that work. God had somebody else do it, and you received the blessing of it. And the Lord told them, because I loved you, I have placed you in the midst of prosperity Prosperity you don't deserve, by the way. Prosperity, uh, you haven't earned blessings, you have not earned. Success, you have not achieved. You are standing in the midst of prosperity. But there's a problem that comes with prosperity. Hear me, church. Prosperous people have a pattern of turning their attention away from the things of God. How weird is that, right? That in the middle of God's blessings, that in the middle of God's success in our life, in the middle of God's uh, prosperity and love in our life, that when we can look around and say by God, we have been blessed beyond measure. That's when we wander away from the Lord. The next book, the book of Judges. Uh, can i can i summarize the entire book of judges for you the whole entire book of judges is is this um 
God blesses Israel with peace and prosperity. Happens over and over. Just read it. When you get there, read it. Uh, Israel decides to worship other things and leaves God. So it happens over and over. God gives them great prosperity. And then Israel decides to worship other gods. And then God punishes Israel. And through a series of uh, judges and events, he brings them back to God. And then all of a sudden, Israel starts worshiping God again. And when Israel starts worshiping God, guess what happened? God blesses Israel. And then guess what happens? We go right back up here. And Israel decides to worship other things and leaves God. This is the exact same pattern throughout the book of Judges. It starts in chapter 1, and I'm in the middle of reading it right now in my daily quiet time, and it's still going on. It happens, sometimes it happens in three paragraphs, two or three different times. Just boom, 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 here we go again. And Joshua's standing there, and Joshua's looking out over the horizon. He said, I want to tell you, man, you are prosperous. You are blessed. You didn't work for this. You don't deserve it. You're getting the blessings and the prosperity and the success of God. But Joshua said, here's what I know. I know that in the midst of of prosperity, we have this tendency to wander away from God. And so, listen, prosperity can be a problem because I want to tell you, you can take out the word Israel here and insert family. God blesses your family with peace and prosperity. And then you decide to worship other things and you'll leave God's side. God will bring discipline into your family's life and he'll bring you back. And then you worship God and you'll get all dedicated to the Lord. And then God will bless you. And then guess what happens? It's not just the story of Israel in the book of Judges. It's the story of our lives as well. For some reason, when we have the blessing of God in our lives, we start to drift away. That when we have everything going our way, when we have everything working, when we're clicking on all cylinders and job, listen, that is when we forget the Lord. It's when we have everything, listen, man, at our disposal that we do the dumbest, dumbest things. You've seen it in people. You see it, the, mo- the most famous place. Like we, here's what we think. We think prosperity, financial prosperity equals, that boy, preacher, if, if I could just, if I, if I could just, um, if I could just, you know, win the lottery, man, then everything would be good for my family. Well, I beg to differ. Matter of fact, we have, re- we, we, we have examples. That's Jack Whitaker. Took home $113 million dollars. And started doing dumb thing after dumb thing. His wife left him. His daughter and his granddaughter, whom he loved dearly, died under very suspicious circumstances. He lost his business. He started drinking and living an immoral lifestyle. And he's the one that famously said, I wish I had torn the ticket up. $113 million in the midst of prosperity. And he, and he let... He, he did the dumbest things. Then you've got uh, Curtis Sharp, who in 1982 won $5 million. He ended up divorced twice and had a party hard attitude and wound up broke without a thing to his name. And then there is uh, this guy who's built, Bud Post, what, had $3 in his bank account. And so he went and he sold the, one of the few possessions he had, got $40 for his possessions, and spent it all on lottery tickets. And, and I'm not suggesting you do this, but he won $16 million. $3 in his bank account, sold all he had, got 40 bucks, won $16 million, and it was completely downhill. He was sued, declared bankruptcy. He was arrested for assault. He came from good family because his brother hired a hitman to kill him so he would inherit the money that he had left. 
13 years after winning the lottery, $16 million, he died penniless and alone living off welfare. Prosperity can be a problem. And look, I mean, just this week, Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Worth $130 billion. They're saying it will be the largest divorce settlement in the history of the world. Money? Prosperity? By the way, Bill wants his privacy. And so do we, Bill, right? So do we. Prosperity can be a problem. Prosperity can get in the way of godliness. Now hear me this morning. I want prosperity for your family. I want prosperity for my family. But I want it through the Lord, not outside the Lord. And if I don't want prosperity, listen, for your family, if you're going to walk away from the Lord, walk away from the church, and walk away from the kingdom of God. How many times have we seen it? Can I tell you, the times I've seen it as a pastor, mom and dad get a better job and all of a sudden, man, they're walking away from the Lord. The business that you had me pray for becomes a success and all of a sudden you're walking away from the Lord. That everybody gets healthy when you thought something was going to go down and all of a sudden everybody works. And next thing you know, hey, next thing you know, can you hear me? Family's not coming four times a month. They're coming two times a month or one time a month and we never see you during the summer. Y'all all right? Money coming in, but the tithe dries up. Business going great, but generosity disappears. You tell me, why might God bring down our economy in this nation? Why might God bring down our nation? Because if we're not careful, prosperity it becomes a problem and takes, away, takes us away from the Lord. So hear me this morning. When it comes to our families, don't let prosperity ruin your family. When you find yourself in the midst of the blessings of God, stay there. What do you mean stay there, preacher? I mean you serve God like you did when you were broke. You worship God like you did when you had nothing. You obey God like you desperately need the blessings of God. You stay in church, by the way, all the way. Stay in church all the way. You give your generosity. I wrote this down in my notes. I love these two words. Stay blessable. Be blessable. How many times has our family been in the midst of prosperity and we walk away from the Lord and all of a sudden we're not blessable by God anymore. God won't bless disobedience. Don't let prosperity be a problem in your life. Joshua said, hey, I see what's coming on the horizon, fellas. You got a house you didn't build and the economy you didn't grow and man, things are going your way and you got a farm you're going to step right into and all the animals are there and all the crops are there all you got to do is start heart man i'm telling you it's blessing joshua here i know what happens man when prosperity comes along everybody gets comfortable and walks away from god no you stay blessable with your family you stay focused with your family you raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the lord you keep your family close to god number two joshua tells us this that if you do what they'll do, you'll get what they got. It may not be great English, but you get the point. Because three very distinct times, verses 14, 20, and 23, God warned them about worshiping the gods of the culture around them. Look with me, if you will, in, in verse number 20. I think I've got it on the screen. Verse number 20. If you abandon the Lord and worship foreign gods, 
He'll turn against you, that's a strong statement, harm you and completely destroy you after he's been good to you. Now, that's a pretty severe pronouncement, right? That even though the Lord has been so good to you, here's what Joshua said, if you insist on bowing down to the culture, if you insist on bowing down to the influences around you, your fate will become their fate. What is their fate? God says harm, destruction, and God's hand will be taken off your life. Joshua said, listen, you do what they do, you're going to get what they got. He warned them that if you try to live like the culture around you, you'll get what I give to the culture around you. Now listen, we we need to define a word this morning and put it in the context of our day because he uses it throughout. Foreign gods, foreign gods, or idols. What is an idol? What is a foreign god? Well, an idol for them or for us, you, you you can define it this way so easily and you get it is anything that takes the rightful place of God in our lives. That's an idol. Because look, if I I said go home and get rid of all your idols, you'd go home and you'd say, no golden calves here, man. No no towers to bail in my backyard. Uh, No Asherah poles back here. We're good. I don't have any idols. Ah, that's That's not the point. An idol or a foreign god is anything that takes the rightful place of God in our lives. See, what our culture is trying to do is constantly get us to put other things, their things, in the place that God deserves in our lives. So our culture will say to us around me, hey, come, come worship where we worship. And what they mean by that, not literal worship as you and I would define it, but is worship as God defines it, by the way. That, that um, we put something in God's place in our lives, and that thing becomes more important then God does. And so the culture just says this all the time. Hey, bring your family over here. Here's what the culture says. Just bring your family over here. And listen, here's, here's what our culture says. Hey, just believe about marriage what we believe. That as long as two people love each other, it's okay for them to get married, which is absolutely not what the Bible says. Culture says do what we do. Dress like we dress. Talk like we talk. Care about money and fame and popularity more than anything else. Being popular is more important than being proper. Listen, you can buy into that if you want to, but hear what the Lord says. If you do what they do, you're always going to get what they got. Look at our culture. They are miserable hiding behind a TikTok video. And their immorality drives them to depression, anxiety, and families that fall apart over and over. And even though they're miserable, they keep saying, oh, come over here. It's better. It's better over here. Can I tell you, you, you don't want what they offer and you don't want what they have. Do not go out of your way to get what they're offering because if you get it, you'll be sorely disappointed when you do. This story appeared in the, in the South China Post on April 21st, just a few weeks ago. Uh, and, you, you know, you're used to seeing, especially in small towns, wedding announcements in the paper. But so this couple put up a, a wedding announcement in the paper. They got married in Taiwan on April the 6th, uh, uh, 20. Uh, April 6, uh, 2020. It's been a year ago, but they just ran the story. Ten days later, apparently it didn't work out so well, and ten days later they got divorced, all right? So April 16th, they, they got married on April 6th, they got divorced on April 16th, and uh, ten days later they were divorced. But then on April 17th, they'd worked things out and they got married again. 
And then uh, they got divorced again on April 28th. But not to be outdone, they reconciled again and they got married again on April 29th. But then things just didn't work out and they got divorced again on May the 11th. But overnight they worked things out again and they got married on May the 12th again. You say, somebody's got problems. Here's the story. Taiwanese companies are legally required by law to offer a newly married man or woman eight days of vacation pay. So the Taiwanese man went to the bank that he worked for and applied for his 32 days of leave, paid time off. And the employer said, the bank said to him, there is no way we're giving you 32 days off. And that's just not an option. We're not paying you just because you got, he said, well, the law says that I can get eight paid days off when I get married. It doesn't explain any further. I want my eight days off. And so he sued them. He sued them for 32 paid days off. And the labor department agreed with the man. And they ordered him to pay them the equivalent in American dollars, according to the New York Times, $700 in back pay. And the bank went berserk. The bank appealed it. And the New York Times said, basically, they appealed it. Their attorneys did. And here was their defense. You've got to be kidding me. That was their defense. And the bank, and just two weeks ago, the bank ultimately won out. So he, the, 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 he went out of the way to get what was offered, but he wound up getting nothing in the end. Nothing. And I say the same thing happens to you and your family. You pattern your family after the culture. You pattern your family after the norms. You do what they do, and your family will pay the price. Go out of the way to get what they've got, and when you've gotten it at the end, you don't want it. So what's the God you serve? For too many Christian modern families, it's stuff, it's friends, it's leisure, it's sports, it's popularity, it's money, it's pleasure, it's travel. If any of that comes between you and God, it is an I don't hear me. God says himself, it will not end well. Get rid of your idols. Prioritize God, his word, his church above anything the culture has to offer. If you do what they do, you'll, you'll get what they got. And you won't want it in the end. Number three, and I'm finished. One decision is the difference between right and ruin. Joshua looked at the culture around him. By the way, the culture that had surrounded their families, and Joshua called them. He said, you have a decision to make. He said, choose for yourselves today. Before I get off and God takes me home, I want every person to make a choice today. Which will you worship? The God of the culture... Or the true and living God. Joshua said, I want you to make a decision. Is your family going to chase the culture down? Or is your family going to stay close to God and true to God? And here's what Joshua said. I want to tell you, this is one of the most iconic lines in all of the Bible. If you were making a movie, it would be the, the, the ending line at the very end when the hero was riding off into the scene. And here's what Joshua said. As for me and my family choice already made. 
we will worship the Lord. I love that line so much. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. Can I tell you, that's the decision today. One decision between right and ruin. Can I, can I tell you this? Hey, everybody look this way. Watching online, pay close attention. Listen to me. Keeping your family centered around the things of God is not an absolute guarantee of success. And I, I, boy, I, I want you to hear me now, hear everything I say. Keeping your family in church, centered around things of God, is not an absolute guarantee. I've seen, I've seen families come, come to church, man, bring their kids to church, and their kids wander away from the Lord. Now, the proverb is true, uh, bring up a child and the way he should go, and when he's old, uh, he won't depart from it. It's not a guarantee, but it's true most of the time. I want to tell you that, that kids have a mind of their own, right? Kids have a mind of their own. Like you've seen, if you, have, if you have ever had a two-year-old, kids have a mind of their own. And you say, well, yeah, you can't reason with a two-year-old. Really? Try reasoning with a 16-year-old. Not ton, it's not a ton different. It's not, not a ton different. Listen, I can't, listen, they get 18, they do what they want to do. And by the way, you need to hear my sermon next week. I'm going to talk about the most important six months in a child's life next week. Uh, so listen, you, you, you hear, listen, kid get 18, they can do what they want to do legally. So I, I can't promise you, I can't promise you 100%. I can give you some strong admonition from the Bible that says, chances are you keep your children. But listen, I know for a fact about your marriage. You keep your marriage centered around in the church. Science, Bible, everybody tells us life will be better. You keep your kids in church. You keep them in children's ministry, youth ministry, college ministry. Listen to me. That they'll Look, chances are they're going to turn out great. I'm not writing you a 100% check, but I'm telling you 99% of the time they'll turn out right. But listen to me. Your family following the culture more than following God is an absolute guarantee of ruin. Absolute guarantee. You will set off your family and you'll begin a, pro- a cycle that will last for generations to come that when you put other things more important than God, listen, I'm not saying you've quit church. I'm not saying you never come. But when it is church is something you do every now and then, when God is something we do every now and then, listen, I'm telling you, it's an absolute guarantee of ruin. And it's not just the, your kids, it's the generations that will follow as well. So close your Bibles. The decision falls to you today. Look at me. Look at me. The decision falls to you. I want you to fill in the blank. You fill in the blank. As for me and my house, we will what? I hope. I hope. Say it again. As for me and my house, we will. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? God's not just listening to what we say. God is watching what we do. What are you going to do? This past week, we celebrated uh, May 4th. No, not Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. We celebrated May 4th. Anybody know what May 4th is, what holiday it is? May the 4th be with you. The most iconic image in Steven Spielberg's trilogy is the second movie, The Empire Strikes Back, that I've got playing on the screen behind me here. It's when Darth Vader finally tells Luke, do you you know what the words are? What does he say? I am your father. According to Star Wars lore, three people knew that that's how this was going to play out. Entertainment Weekly says that 
The surprise was not just the surprise to viewers, but the casting crew of the Empire, they did not know that Darth Vader was going. The, David Prose, the guy in the Vader suit, you know, who did, who did not speak any lines. James Earl Jones said all the lines. He did not know that David uttered the lines, I killed your father. But they had told Mark Hamill the actual line was going to be, I am your father. And so they told Hamill to react as if he said, I'm your father. But, but he's not going to say that because he doesn't know the plot twist at the end. And as the story goes, the rest of the cast and crew found out when the rest of us did. When they saw it in the theaters. Because they heard... Luke, I killed your father, not Luke, I am your father. And in that moment that's playing there, Darth Vader is doing this. He is pleading for Luke Skywalker to come over to the dark side. And right in this moment, Luke had a decision to make. Am I going to go over to the dark side with my family or am I not it reminds me of Joseph's speech in Joshua's speech in uh, Joshua 24 that Luke Skywalker I know he's fictional but hang with me had a decision to make and it's remarkably similar to the modern family decision which by the way is the decision that's been around for all of time are we going to choose to let your family follow the dark side of culture? Or are we going to say, as for me and my house, as for me and my family, uh-uh. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord when it's not popular. And by the way, we're going to, we're going to serve the Lord when it's not fun. We're going to we're going to come to church when everybody's gone somewhere else. We're going to stay faithful when nobody else is faithful. We're going to give when nobody else is giving. We're going to, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve God where we find a place to serve. The list goes on and on. The list goes on and on. You, you, you're, listen, I don't want to be blasphemous, but your decision is not much different than Luke's. You, you're going to follow the dark side of the culture. You're going to go with God. Listen, it was Joshua's decision. It was Israel's decision. It's our decision today. It's our decision. It's the modern family decision. Listen, prosperity can be a problem. Man, right in the middle of the blessings of God, we tend to wander away from God. And man, God will make, God will rough up our world and we come right back. And then we do it again. And, and we look around at us and we see the world and hiding behind all their videos and photographs and movies and we think, man, I wish I had that. It, we try to do what they do and live how they live, forgetting that the real life behind them is utter misery. Failure after failure after failure after failure. And God says, hey, you, 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 do, you do want to do what they do, you, you'll get what they've got. You won't like it when you get it. It'll be a disappointment when you get it. But that's what you'll get. And so the choice is yours. As for me and my family, what are you going to do? Hey, if you're watching online, Jeremy's got a word for you, but if you're in the room, would you stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed? Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that awesome message uh, on the family. And here's the deal. We got to choose. We have got to make the choice. And 
Joshua stood before the nation of Israel and the children of Israel and he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. We've got to make that choice. We've got to decide for ourselves and for our families. Dads, we've got to decide for our families who we're going to serve. And maybe for you, you've never made the choice to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And maybe that's the choice that you need to make today. It's as simple as admitting to God that you're a sinner. You've offended God um, with the things that you've done. And um, just like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we've broken God's rules. God wasn't willing to be separated from us, and so he sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. We've got to believe that. And then Romans 10, verse 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We've got to say out loud before God, I'm willing to admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin. And right now, I ask him to be my Lord and Savior. If you've never done that this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do that just now. If God has spoken to you this morning and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, tell God this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. God, I'm asking you to forgive me to come into my heart, to be my Savior. Lord, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and on the third day, he rose again so that I could have a relationship with him. And Lord, um, I'm giving my heart and my life to you this morning in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time this morning, we need to talk. And um, if you would, just text your name to 706-406-8100. That comes right to my cell phone, and um, I'd love to connect with you. In fact, I want to send you a book in the mail that'll help you take the next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. Hey, it has been awesome to be together this morning. I'm so thankful for our time together each week. I'm thankful for each one of you. And, um, and I can't wait to see you next week. Don't forget, it's Mother's Day. Celebrate mom today and tell your mom how thankful you are for her. See you next week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.